God wants you to experience the life that He designed. We can't allow life to kill the dream that we dream. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You will look back on your life and you'll say, man, life is good. The Word of God brings the abundant life into focus and within your grasp. As you listen, open your heart and discover life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Jesus, we love being in your presence, Lord. We love your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We're so grateful that we get to serve the architect of the universe. He's our Father. Thank you, Jesus. You know, today what we're experiencing, we are actually experiencing eternity. We, this is the presence of God. This is what we're, we want for eternity, it is to live in this presence. We don't have to wait till heaven to experience eternity. This is the presence of God. This is what we are looking for for the rest of our lives. And we get to dwell in this and walk in this. You know, um, I've been reading in Colossians, and it says, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with riches. You know, he's so big. God is so big that he's the architect of the universe. And yet he is willing to live, it says, embedded within us is Christ. And in Christ, he's a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with riches. What do you need today? Because there's a treasure chest. Christ lives in you. What do you need today? Do you need peace? There's nothing like his peace. Do you need salvation? Do you need uh, forgiveness from sins? He is here today. What do you need? Do you need righteousness? Do you need peace? Do you need joy? Do you need some other needs met? Health. Because that treasure chest is within you if you've asked Christ in. There's no limit. There is no limit to a God who would make an and be the architect of this universe. It's beyond our imagination. But he's small enough to meet every one of your needs. And that's who we're worshiping today. I'm so, so thankful to be worshiping that God. Let's just lift our hands and let's thank him. And let's just imagine that our God is giving us a hug or he's handing us he's handing us the treasures and the riches that are in his presence thank you jesus we thank you today hallelujah we just worship you we bow we bow before our god we bow before the mighty god of heaven the ruler the creator of heaven and earth we thank you god today there is none like our god there's just none like our God. Hallelujah. We worship you today, Jesus. We thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you would live on the inside of us. That you've made us part of your family. This is a family of God. Hallelujah. For eternity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you.
Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you offer us eternal life and you offer us joy and peace in this life. Thank you, God. We just worship you today. Thank you, Jesus. And I just declare peace over this family. I just declare salvation. I declare healing. And I declare every need met in this place today, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. I'm so glad that you guys are here worshiping with us today. It's good to be with the family of God. And if you're visiting today, we welcome you. We're glad you're visiting. And if um, we just, we're just glad you're here. So if you would just greet a neighbor, greet, greet one or two or three people around you. <clears throat> Well, good morning. Man, I hope you guys have plans to do something outside today. Do something. Do something. Man, it's nice out. Well, um, I, I'm going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. So ushers, uh, if you're ready, if you need an offering envelope, if you're giving cash, you can raise your hand. If you're writing a check to Destiny Church. And I have an announcement as, as people are getting ready. So this Saturday, everybody say this Saturday. This Saturday. Okay, we have a men's unite, which will be right here. It's from 8.30 to 10.30. Um, there'll be some food and coffee, some, not a full-on meal like sometimes we do, but some, some uh, rolls, cinnamon rolls or something, and some coffee. And, and we're going to have an incredible time. Here's how I want to present that. I believe this could be, potentially be a life-altering uh, experience for the men. And I'm, I sincerely believe that. Um, you know, Josh and I and a few others have talked, and we believe that there's something on our heart that God's put on our heart, and we, we sincerely believe that it could be a life-altering encounter for men. And uh, so, you all are welcome, everyone in this place, every, everyone from this church is welcome to come. And uh, I was thinking, okay... When I, get, when I hear something like that, I sometimes feel pressure, kind of like, nah, I just don't want to go anymore, just because of that. For whatever reason, it sounds silly, I know, but so I'm like, well, what's the deal with that? And here, here's what, what I want to say about it, okay? I think that it takes courage to step into the next thing that God has for you. It takes courage to take a, to take a step, to go deeper. And the reason it takes courage is oftentimes you got to face a fear, fear of being rejected, a fear of some high expectation, which there is no expectation for you. Just, just show up. That's the only expectation, okay? But whatever, because I know when there's something like that, for me too, I'm just kind of like, ah, and I don't know what it is, if it's a fear, if it's a, 
if it's just like a whatever, but I know it takes courage. So for, for you fellas who have courage, and that's all of you, might I add, I'm, in, I'm encouraging you to, 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 to make a courageous decision and, and come Saturday. It's going to be an incredible morning, um, 8.30, 10.30, right here. And we're, we're praying and believing that, God, that you're going to have an encounter with God and with this group of men that's going to change your life. Amen. There are cards. Anybody didn't, who didn't get a card? Not, do you need one? Did you, did you not get one? Okay. All right, well, if you have your tithes and offerings ready, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to give, to give into your kingdom. And God, we, we thank you for the opportunity, and we're believing that as we give, not only will our lives be changed, but the lives of many others in our communities uh, and in our nation and even around the world will be affected and will be uh, changed and affected for the kingdom. We believe that. And we're expecting that, that lives will be changed and affected. So we give with that expectation that lives will be affected. So we believe for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, ushers. Well, God's good. Amen? How many excited to be alive? It's better to be alive than the alternative, right? Amen. While you're passing your buckets, um, I just also want to mention to you that this, uh, this Wednesday is our last uh, message on the Freedom Series. But then we're right away, the week after, we're starting a new, um, a new session. And this is called Vision. It's a seminar. It's five weeks every Wednesday night at 6.30. We have children's ministry also. But this is probably one of the most significant um, messages that we're going to cover, topics that we're going to cover uh, in a long time. And I just want to encourage all of you to come. You know, um, the way God works in our lives is that he gives us vision. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have dreams and visions. And so that's the language of the Holy Spirit. He gives us dreams and visions. In other words, he puts things upon our imagination. And, uh, and then uh, how we handle that determines whether or not it comes to pass in our lives. A lot of times people just think, you know, they're wondering what, you know, what's, what's God doing? You know, why isn't, he, why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing that? I prayed about it and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. But what God wants you to do is he wants you to be fully engaged in what he wants to do in and through your life. And so what happens is he gives you actually a vision or a picture of things in your future that he wants to do through your life. And it's very important for you to handle that properly. And, um, and if you just can't let it go or let the vision slip. You know, in Habakkuk it says, it's an interesting passage. Habakkuk, um, the whole first chapter, he complains to God. He kept, keeps saying to God, God, what's going on? I mean, come on. And he keeps telling God how all the problems there are in the earth. And he goes, how long, O Lord? He's, and he's like really complaining a lot. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. And he's like, because he's seen all this evil and all these things that are happening. And he's really upset about it. And so, he, so then what he, in chapter 2, the very first verse, <coughs> he says, I will, I will take my stand on the watchtower and I will see what God will say to me. And how I will respond when I'm rebuked of him. So he figured God was going to say something. He's probably going to get rebuked. 
And so he stood there, and the first thing God said was, write the vision, make it plain, that they who, they who read it may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for a point in time, uh, tarry, it will not tarry, it will come, wait for it. And then the next verse says, my soul is not lifted up within me, but then it says, my, my righteous ones will live by faith. And so there has to be faith that's intermingled with the vision to see it to come to pass. And so what happens is um, we, have to, we have to be involved or engaged. We can't just say, well, God gave me this vision. And so I don't know, I'm just kind of waiting for whatever, um, whenever it comes to pass. But God works through our, our imaginations and how we handle that determines whether or not that vision or that picture that God gave us will come to pass. How many can see that? So we have to get involved in it. So that's what this seminar, this, uh, I don't know what to call it, seminar. What's another word for seminar? Series. Thank you. That's a good word. Series. This series is all about, it's about uh, receiving a vision from God. We'll talk about how to receive a vision from God, <clears throat> how to write it out, how to handle it, and then how to live our vision. And so it's going to be a really good series. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. My wife and I, we had this amazing Valentine's. It was just off. How many remember that Valentine's Day was about a week ago, week and a half ago? So she gave me this incredible gift. She got sick and then gave it to me. <laughs> it was awesome. Man, Valentine's Day was awesome. I'm telling you, it was wonderful. And uh, anyway, so we're still recovering. Praise God. Thank God. And uh, we're coming out, coming out stronger than before. I want to talk to you. I titled this message, The Buck Stops Here. And um, this is part two. I did talk about this a couple weeks ago. And uh, when you hear that term, the buck stops here, usually what you think about is, I'm the one that's taking responsibility for the situation. In other words, it, the responsibility, no one's, I'm not passing the buck. I'm the ones that are going to take the bull by the horns. I'm going to be responsible. But I want to use this phrase, the buck stops here, to talk about the problem there is with money in the church and with Christians' lives and people's lives. I know that you're not supposed to talk about money in church. I realize that. But I say this at a really good time for our church because our church is not financially in need right now. We're actually doing quite well. And so for me, the motive in talking about it is not like we need money. If you don't give, we're going under. It's nothing like that. We're doing really good, actually. But I do want to have uh, us to have a really good attitude or good proper perspective of money. And some people think, well, money is carnal, it's natural, and I, I came to church to deal with spiritual things. But let me just say this to you, that money is spiritual because it is a great reflection on where you're at spiritually and how you are valuing and how you are, your perspective on how you're looking at things. And so I remember I heard this guy, I don't know if you guys ever heard of a preacher named Robert Morris. How many ever heard of him? He's from Gateway Church in Texas. He's got a large church, about 30,000 people. But I heard he said this. A guy came to him one day and said, hey, I'd like to date your daughter. And he goes, well, let me think about it. So what he did was he checked if the, to see if the guy was a tither. I'm just letting that sink in. He goes, that's the first thing I checked. I checked to see if he was a tither. And I also checked to see if he paid his tithes on time. In other words, if he, if, because most people get paid the 15th and the 30th. And so he looked to see when the tithe check came. 
And if, if, if it was sporadic, he goes, I would have said no. But the guy was a tither. He was diligent about it. So he said, yes, he, the guy could date his daughter. <clears throat> but I thought, well, that's kind of crazy. What, what a dumb thing. I mean, wouldn't you want to check something else? You want to check if he had good teeth or, you know, he had got a good car? You know, it's kind of a funny. Have you ever seen that thing, the form fill out to date my daughter? Ever, how many have ever seen that? It says, um, it, you know, it has all these questions. The first question is, do you own a van? <laughs> if the answer is yes, the answer is no. Have you ever seen that one? That's pretty funny, actually. Do you own a van? But, um, but the point is, is that he says, I know that if this guy doesn't, get, he doesn't have this right, his spiritual life is a mess. I know there's a few murmurs. But his spiritual life is a mess because really an indicator of where you're at spiritually is how you handle money. Because the Bible tells us, I, I told you to turn to Genesis Let's, let's skip that passage. Let's jump down here to Psalms 24. The Bible says this in Psalms 24, verse 1 and 2. It says, The earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it upon the waters. The Bible tells us here that the earth is the Lord's. Now, we as Christians, we believe God created everything. The earth is the Lord's. He created everything. He says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, everything in it, some of the old, other Old Testament verses that talk about this, it says that the silver and the gold is mine. It says that in Haggai chapter 2. We won't look at all these verses. The silver and the gold is mine. Every beast of the field is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills is mine. It says that in Psalms chapter 50. <coughs> and so everything in the earth, the earth itself, the, the whole universe belongs to God because he's the creator of it. It's his by reason of creation. And so what does that mean about us? That means that we are what? Stewards or managers. We are stewards when God gives us a portion of the earth's gold or silver or uh, possessions. What we become is we become stewards of God's stuff. Now, a lot of times people don't have that attitude. They have the attitude that this is my stuff. You can't have my stuff. And if I part with my stuff, it's going to be a very, it's going to be a real struggle for me to part with my stuff because it's mine. I worked hard for it. I got it. I accumulated. It's mine. And they have that attitude. But how many know this is you, that the very breath that you breathe comes from your creator? Everything, the fact that your heart is going pitter-patter right now, pum-pum, is because of the creator. Everything that you have comes from his hand. And if you have, if God, if you have uh, possessions or finances, it's because God uh, has given you the power and the strength to be able to accumulate those finances. And so it all belongs to God. And so what God says <laughs> is God says that, um, that we are supposed to be uh, good stewards of what he places in our hands. I said to you one week that money is actually a test. Money is actually a test. It's a test of our, where our love is, what we have, what's first in our lives. It's also a test of our stewardship. Are we, are we faithful to be stewards? You see, there's a spirit of, of lack that creates covetousness. What covetousness does, it causes us to dig resources out of one hole and pile it up somewhere else. It's a crazy thing. In other words, what happens is when the buck comes to us, we either squander it on ourselves, or I should say spend it all on ourselves, or we heap it up. 
There's nothing wrong with having a storehouse, but there's something wrong with us heaping things up and not being involved in God's kingdom uh, in, in the area of finances, in the area of giving and receiving. How many can see what I'm saying? And so I have to look at it from this standpoint that, <clears throat> that everything that I have is because God has given me the power to get wealth. You know, some people say, well, I'm not wealthy. I'm a very poor person. You know, if I ask you here today, how many here are wealthy? I won't ask you to raise your hand because I don't want anybody to hit you up for a loan. But, uh, <laughs> but um, if you say, uh, but we- being wealthy is a relative term. How I many know that's true? I had this crazy thing one time that happened to me. I heard this guy talking about uh, one percenters. You hear that today in American culture, one percenters. One percenters are the top one percent earn wage earners in America, one percenters. And we're all, everybody's like, them evil one percenters. You know, I found this out is that most of us in this room are one percenters. If you step back and you look at the world as a whole and how much the world, people in the world make and compare to what we make, most of us, if not all of us here, are one percenters. All you got to do is make $35,000 a year. If you make $35,000 a year in this room, you make that amount, you're a one percenter. In other words, 99% of the world's population earn less money than you earn. Just think about that. I remember I was listening to Dave Ramsey on the radio, and he was talking to this woman, and she was talking about she had a, a landscaping business, and she was talking about what she made. And she told Dave, I, and she had kind of an accent, she said she makes $5,000 a year. I'm going, $5,000 a year? That's terrible. But she go, he goes, oh, that's pretty good. He said that to her. That's pretty good. I go, that's pretty good. That's horrible. And then, a little bit later, I found out that she was calling from Mexico. And so he goes, she's making 5000 a year. That's pretty good, but if you live in Mexico, right? And she, so if, you're, if you make over $35,000 a year, you're a one percenter as far as you step back and look at the world as a whole. And so you're one of those evil one percenters. How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel good? Thank you. You came to church, got called an evil one percenter. <clears throat> but my point is this, is that wealth or riches is a relative term. It's a relative term. It's not, you know, uh, because there's no number written anywhere that says once you cross this line, once you cross this, now you have become an evil, rich person. It doesn't say that anywhere. It really, when the Bible talks about, you know, riches in a derogatory way, what it really talks about is people that are covetous. And people that are covetous, what they do is that they accumulate, or they, at least they try to accumulate as much as they can. And they, instead of being a, a resource or being a river or being a channel, they become a reservoir where they just store everything up. And when, what Jesus said about somebody like that, he said, you're a fool because someday you're going to die and who's going to have whatever you, ha- whatever, whatever you stored up? Who's going to get it? Your relatives are all going to split it up. And uh, you're not taking it with you. But then he says, but then he makes a statement. He talks about those that are rich towards God. Those that are rich toward God's. How do you become rich toward God? You become rich toward God by giving, by being a person that's diligent in giving, by someone who's, being, who's generous, willing to give to other people, willing to give to the work of God. That's how you become rich towards God. Amen. And, and some people say, you know, well, you know, you, you shouldn't talk about 
money in church, but it's one of the most important things. So the first thing we have to understand is that we are stewards. What are we? Stewards. God owns everything. We are stewards. The second thing about it is that stewards must be, the Bible says that stewards are required to be found faithful. Stewards are required to be found faithful. Like I said, money is a test. It's a test of our love. It's a test of our stewardship. And it's also a test of our trust. What are, who are we trusting? Who are we trusting? The Bible says that we're supposed to trust God <coughs> who generously gives us all things to enjoy. It says that in 1 Timothy. Trust God that he generously or richly gives us all things to enjoy. So we have to ask the question, am I a reservoir or am I a river? In other words, when resources come to me, it's not God's not against you being taken care of. Having your needs met. And we're going to look at a passage that talk, talks about this. But God's not against you having your needs met, but He doesn't want you to squander all of your money on yourself and your own needs. Amen. And some people have the attitude well, when I get rich, then I'll be generous. Let me just tell you this the, the level of generosity that you're at right now will be the level, level of generosity you will be at when you get more money. More money doesn't all of a sudden change your inwards, right? I mean, you are what you are, and the amount of money that you get doesn't change that. And so if you're a, if you're a generous, diligent person, if you get more money, you'll still be a generous, diligent person. And so that's the thing that's so very important. And so here's the thing. Some people say, well, when you talk like this, you just encourage covetousness. But I want you to know there's a big difference between trusting God to prosper you and covetousness. The perspective is I'm looking to God to bless me based on my, my being faithful as a good steward of his stuff. I'm trusting him to, to, to bless me. I'm trusting him to increase me. Covetousness makes me go out in the world, kick, claw, steal, connive, uh, cheat, do whatever I can to get all I can, sit, sit, you know, can all I get and sit on the can. That's what covetous does. There's a big difference between the two. And that's why I always look at, someone goes, well, am I a covetous person? I always look at where are you at with your giving? And I'm not just talking about giving to the church, but I'm talking about generally just being a giver and being, ge being generous. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but one of the things that people do is they collect stuff, a lot of stuff. How many of you know that? You know, and I'm guilty because we have way too much stuff at our place. But have you ever thought about this, how stuff seems to be a drag on your soul? Now, we do need some stuff, but we don't need all this stuff. And sometimes stuff just becomes a drag on your soul. It's, there's so much junk. I mean, are you kidding me? And it kind of drags your soul down because of all this stuff. And it actually feels pretty good to get rid of some stuff and when you find out somebody has a need for some of your stuff, to be, hey, well, you want some of my stuff? Here's some of my stuff. And it actually helps your soul uh, come alive a little bit more. It helps to drag on your soul. Amen. And so that's a great question if you ask yourself, am I a covetous person? Well, are you a giver? Are you generous? You see, here's the deal. You know, you know people say, well, it's not God's will for us to be rich. That's not God's will. Do you know that you can never convince an Orthodox Jew that, that that statement's true? You'd never convince them of that because they just read the Old Testament. 
They don't read the New Testament. They just read the Old Testament. If you read through the Old Testament, you would never come to the conclusion that God doesn't want you to be rich. Because Genesis chapter 12, uh, was it chapter 14, or is it 13? No, it's 13. Genesis 13, verse 2, it says, Now Abraham was very rich, listen to that, in livestock and silver and gold. Abraham was what? Not just rich, he was very rich. So what, what picture is that place in your mind? That's why the Jewish people generally, <clears throat> Jewish people generally are very, they, they're pretty well off usually. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them are very well off. Why? Because it's in their culture to believe that they should be rich, that God blesses them to be rich. It says Abraham was very rich. I'm glad that he told you what he was rich in because some people would say, well, that means he's very rich in spiritual things. He said as a rich heritage, very rich heritage there. No, it says he tells you exactly what he was rich in. He, he was rich in livestock. That means animals. He was rich in gold. He was rich in silver. He was very rich. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, verse 22, it says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And so a Jewish person would never think for one minute that it wasn't God's will for them to be rich. Now, rich, you know, people say, what, what is rich? Well, rich is you have all your needs met, and then you have a supply above what your needs are. You have ample supply. You know, a carburetor on a car, we don't have many carburetors nowadays, but a carburetor on a car, it, when it's running rich, it means that it's getting more gas than it actually needs. It doesn't need this much gas. You know, I used to fly an airplane, and there has, there's a, a lever on the airplane. Once you take off, you level off, you, you put the power back, pull the power back, and then you lean out the gas. And what you do is you pull, you pull this lever back, and you, you pull it back until the engine starts to go. <laughs> it's kind of a fun thing to have a passenger with you when you start doing that, because they don't like, when you're flying, you never like to hear the motor go, <laughs> right? But what you're doing is you're leaning out the, the, the fuel mixture and you don't want to give the, the motor more fuel than it needs. So you have to get the air fuel mixture right. So you lean it out until it starts to cough, protest. Then you, you screw it back in a little bit just so it runs level. And so you've leaned the, you lean the mixture out. And that's what rich means. You're getting too much gas in the mixture. That's what rich means. You get, you're having more than you actually need. And it's God's will for you to have more than you actually need. And I'll show you that in Scripture because he wants you to be a, a, a channel of his blessing. Another thing about prosperity is that prosperity is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not a slot, God's slot machine. It's not a slot machine where you go, I've given 10 bucks, I expect 100 back. It's not like that. It doesn't work that way. What, you, what you're doing is you're thinking in this term, God owns everything. He has given me some things, and now I'm going to be a good steward and surrender back to him some of the things, a portion of what he has given to me. And I'm going to be available if God wants me to give to somebody, God wants me to bless somebody, I'm going to be available for, me, for God to say, I want some of my stuff. You know, you got, one of my, you got one of my automobiles there, right? Yep, whose automobile is that? Yes, your automobile. I want you to give my, one of my automobiles, I want you to give it to somebody else. And money is a test. If, if you're faithful, what happens is God will say, now I'm going to give you some more of my stuff to manage because I know that I can trust you. 
How many can see what I'm saying? It's a test of stewardship. <clears throat> the Bible says in, in um, Luke chapter 16, it says, The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. So in other words, if you are faithful with the little bit that you're given, you say, well, I don't have that much. If you're faithful with it, guess what? God goes, I see your faithfulness, and he'll give you more. You know, we all, and we believe this. We believe in helping people that are in need. But, you know, some of the parables are hard, hard to understand. Remember the parable of the talents, where this guy had five talents, two talents, one talent. And so what happened was the guy that had five talents, he took the Lord's money and he made five more, so he had ten talents. Now he's got ten. And the guy that had one talent, he buried his talent in the ground. So when the Lord came and had a reckoning with him, he came to the guy that had one talent and he said, what did you do with my money? He goes, I buried it because I was afraid and it's a long story there. And you know what God said? God said, take the talent from that guy and give it to the guy that has ten. What? He's got 10 already. Why are you giving the guy that has 10 the one talent? Because God says, I know he'll take care of it. He'll be responsible with my resources. How many can see what I'm saying? <laughs> and so the Bible says here, he that has been given, he, he that manages the little that he's been given faithfully and in integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the, of the spiritual world? So here's what he's saying. He's telling you when God, it's a test. Every time you're given money or resources, it's a test. Who owns it? Who owns it? you got to decide who owns it. And so if the owner says, I want you to give it, if the owner says that, then what we say is, yes, it's not mine, it's yours. I'm going to release it. And the more faithful we are with that, the owner says, because you proved, you passed the test, you proved that you're faithful, I'm going to give you more because I can see that I can trust you. But if the buck stops with you, how many understand what I'm saying? If the buck stops with you, God goes, why would I give you more? Right? Why would I do that? It's the buck stops with you. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so here, the last thing I want you to share with you is I believe that the scriptures, the New Testament, supports the idea that God wants, us to, wants to make us rich. Like I said, when I say rich, I don't mean, you know, multi, necessarily, I don't necessarily mean that, but I mean that you would have your needs met and that you would have leftover or more leftover so that you can give to every good work. I, I believe the Bible teaches that. So let's look at some scriptures that says that. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Are you still with me? <laughs> Sooner or later, I'll be done with this subject. And then we'll talk about deep spiritual things where, you know, angels flying around the room and Peter Pan and all that, all that good stuff, Casper the Friendly Ghost. We'll talk about all that stuff then. And you'll be like, hey, well, now we're getting down to it. But I just want to hammer away at this a little bit. Not hammer away, I want to lightly tap this subject. Just touch it lightly and whatever. So look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <laughs> chapter 9, verse 6. And here, here's the thing. The context of this is Paul is collecting offerings for the church, churches in Judea. So he's going around to the Gentile churches and he's collecting offerings from them because the Judean churches have come under a, a tremendous famine throughout the whole land of Judea. 
which, you know, Jesus predicted that there'd be famines, and they were experiencing a terrible famine. And so they were struggling financially, the, the churches in Judea. So Paul says, you know, it's, they're our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they've sold to us spiritual things, so we should reap, they should reap some of our carnal things. And so he was going around to the churches, and he was collecting money. Now here's what's interesting, <clears throat> that most of the verses in the Bible, New Testament especially, that when it talks about, when it talks about the blessing of giving, it's usually spoken around the context of, of giving, where somebody is giving or somebody has given. Remember this, the verse that says, my God shall meet all your needs. How many have heard that verse? My God, how many have heard that verse? My God shall meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. But what the context of that verse is they had given a tremendous offering to Paul. They had brought a tremendous offering. And so Paul releases this truth. I want you to know you are givers. I want you to know God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you'll find this is true that when it comes to people that are generous and are givers, first they're tithers and then they're open to actually give offerings because a tithe and an offering are not the same thing. And, but, but they're the type, they're givers. Those type of people usually receive revelation around their giving because God wants to make sure that you know God wants to make sure that you know the truth about what your giving is doing and how you can access even more. He's releasing, he's opening up his heart to you so that you can, uh, so that you can receive more. Amen. Isn't that interesting? So let's look at this verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll, I'll give you this in closing, but this is really an important verse. He said in verse 6, the point is this. This is the English Standard Version. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Now he's talking here about money. He's talking about them giving this offering. And he goes, I want you to know that you're, as you're contemplating this giving, I want you to know about this verse. He who sows sparingly. Now, the term sparingly is a relative term. You know, if I gave, if I gave a certain amount of money, uh, it might be a challenge for me. Somebody who's a billionaire gave the same amount, it'd be like nothing to him. So sparingly is a relative term. So sparingly is I could give more, but I just don't want to. Right? I could do a lot better with this, but I just don't want to give. I don't want to be, do better with this. I just want to give this little bit for whatever reason. I'm giving sparingly. In my life, um, you know, I could, I, I, if I give sparingly, I have the ability to give more but I'm just going to hold back and just give sparingly. He says, he that gives sparingly shall what? Reap sparingly. He says, you're going to reap, but it's going to be sparingly. And then he goes on and says, he that gives bountifully, that means lavishly, gives lavishly, shall reap lavishly. Wouldn't you like to do some reaping lavishly? You know, I actually hardly ever, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that God will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing until there's not room enough to receive it. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of a problem? I just don't know what to do with all this. Right? And some people say, well, God wouldn't do that. You know, it's interesting in the Bible that one of God's names is El Shaddai. I heard one guy say one time, not El Chipo, El Shaddai. <laughs> Hebrew language is a, is a picture language. All primitive languages are picture languages. The Hebrew language is a picture language. So you know what the picture of El Shaddai is? It's many-breasted one. 
It means whatever you need, I got this. That's what the, that's what the subject is. In fact, I got more than you need. So the way they translate it, El Shaddai, is that he's the God who's more than enough. And you can see that in Scripture. When David said in the Psalms, he goes, my cup runs over. Well, doesn't God know how much your cup will hold? Doesn't he? Does he know everything? He knows how much your cup will hold. But he said, my cup runs over. It's like, it's running over, dear Lord. Get something over there, quick. It's running over. Why? Because he's El Shaddai. You know, when, when, when Jesus uh, borrowed Peter's boat, when Jesus borrowed Peter's boat, <coughs> he, um, he, uh, he taught the people, and then he goes to Peter, launch out and, and let down your net for a, for, a, for a catch. So he goes out there, and he, they catch this great group of fish, and so they start calling the other guys, come and help us. So they start filling the boats. The boats get so full, they start to sink. Right? Remember that story? Didn't God know how much their boats would hold? Didn't he know how much their boats would hold? Well, how come he gave them more than what their boats could hold? I mean, the boats started to sink. Why? Because he's El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Amen? He's not holding back. What he's waiting for us is he's waiting for us to have a liberal heart. How many know that God has a liberal heart? He has a tremendously liberal heart. And the only thing that God doesn't want, he doesn't want anything to destroy us. And if, we're, if we don't, if this covetous thing doesn't get dealt with or this greed thing doesn't get dealt with, it's very difficult for God to give into that because it destroys. It's, the Bible says in Proverbs, the prosper, prosperity destroys a fool. And if you're a fool, God doesn't want to give you much because he doesn't want you to be destroyed. Amen. So he says here, <coughs> he sows sparingly, shall reap bare, uh, sows bountifully, shall reap bountifully. Each one, now listen to this, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So that's why I didn't, I didn't wait to take the offering before I shared this. I, I took the offering first. We took the offering first. So there's, no, there's not a second offering. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God. There's not a second offering. We're not taking a second offering. And I'm not telling you about a big need because there isn't a big need. I just want you to know that God, when you give, God wants you to have a joyful heart in your giving. And when you know everything you've got belongs to God and that God uh, can, can give back to you, can have a joyful heart. Right? God loves a cheerful giver. That's right. And actually, the word cheerful is hilarious giver. I mean, just think about that. Hilarious giver, really? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Then it says this, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you, that you having all sufficiency in all things. Listen to this, in all things at all times, that you having all sufficiency. You know what sufficiency means? Is if somebody goes, would you like some more, would you like some more hot dish? No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I got enough. I'm sufficient. Would you like some more? I'm sufficient. I got enough here. Would you like some more coffee? No, my cup's full. I'm fine. Good. Everything's, I'm sufficient. He said, having all sufficiency in all things at all times. That's God's will. You say, well, I have this great financial need. That's not the way God wanted it for you or has it planned for you. He wants you to be all, sufficient, all sufficiency in all things. And then he says this, 
that you may abound in every good work. Here's the reason why God wants to give you all sufficiency in all things. And then he wants you to abound. In other words, to increase. So why? That you may give to every good work. Think about that. I, want, I just want to go to a meeting somewhere or you see somebody on the street. You go, I'm just going to give this guy some money. Well, if you don't have any money, it's hard to give somebody some money, right? I'm going to give this guy some money. I'm going to do this guy a favor. I'm going to buy this guy his meal. <clears throat> and I think everybody should be involved in that. I remember one time not too long ago, I was in a restaurant and I, I heard this lady, this older lady, talking to the waitress and she was asking the waitress, do you take checks? And then I could tell that she was thinking in her mind that she only had so much money and she wanted to make sure she ordered something that would, she, could, she could actually pay for it. So I said to the waitress, give me that lady's check. Just let me have it. Don't tell her who, who it was. And I could see her over there going, I don't have to pay. I could see her telling the waitress, I don't have to pay anything. But I was glad I could do that, right? And that's, I mean, that's something that God wants us to do. And I know a lot of you have done that. You've paid for other people's stuff. And that's God's will. That's the way God wants it to be. He wants it to be that way. But if you're barely getting along and so strapped financially that you can't even see, you can't even, you're so poor you can't even pay attention. But that's not the way God wants it for your life. God wants you to have all sufficiency in all things at all times. He wants you to have all sufficiency. He wants you to be adequately taken care of at all times. And then to have an abundance over that to give to every good work. Amen? Let me just keep reading here. Uh, as it is written, he has, he has dispersed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endure forever. In other words, he says, he is righteous and endure forever. In other words, he's saying that this, this type of giving is, is something that lasts for eternity. So you buy a new car, in 10 years, it thing's a piece of junk. Especially you're driving on these gravel roads, it beats the daylights out of that car. It's a piece of junk, right? Or at least you, you, you buy a car, you pay for it for seven years. You, you know, you pay for it for seven years. And by the time you get done paying for it, it's worth like one-fourth one of what you paid for it or less than that even. It doesn't last. But this type of giving lasts for eternity. It's recorded in heaven. It lasts for eternity. It says his righteousness endures for eternity, forever. Then it says this, he who supplies seed to the sower, <coughs> so if I'm a sower, if I'm somebody that's generous, I'm a giver, the Bible says that God supplies seed to the sower. See, if you make the commitment, I'm going to be a giver, I'm going to be a sower, I'm going to be somebody who gives generously. He will provide seed to the sower and bread for, the, for food. In other words, he'll take care of you, your, your, your food needs, Will supply and now listen to this. He will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And then he says his last verse: You will be enriched in every way. You know what the word enriched means? It means to be made rich. You will be made rich in every way. Why? To be generous in every way. He tells you exactly why God would give you excess, why God would increase you, so that you could be generous in every way. Amen? He'll make you rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way, which through us produces thanksgiving to God. So my point is simply this. God is not against us having things. He's against things having us. 
He's not against us being rich. He's against us being covetous. Amen. You know, I remember, why don't we all stand together as the worship team comes. <laughs> I remember that um, years ago, I was listening to this preacher, and, um, and he was talking about, you know, talking about being led by the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. And, um, and so <clears throat> the Lord started talking to him about being led by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And so it's very important to, to know how to follow the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will lead you. You know what this guy said? He said the Lord spoke to him, actually in a vision, and the Lord said to him, if you learn to listen to my voice and follow my Spirit, I'll make you rich. He goes, I don't have anything against my people being rich. I have something against them being covetous. I want you to think about that for a second. You know, you say, well, I don't want to have a lot of stuff. And I don't think you should. I mean, I don't think you should gather piles and piles of stuff. It's just a drag on the soul. But it's the idea that God doesn't want you to have anything is, is actually a, a, it's not a right thinking. But it just depends on what you're going to do with it. What will you do with it? When God increases you, when the blessings come, what will you do with it? Are you just going to become the buck stops here, a hoarder, or are you going to become a generous person? Are you going to be, be willing to give and be a blessing to other people? And, and, and especially in the area of listening to God's voice. You know, years ago, <clears throat> I, um, I went to, some of you have heard me tell this story, but it's, it came to my mind, so I'm thinking that I should, should share it. But anyways, I remember I was at this service somewhere else, and um, and the person was taking a long offering, which I don't like long offerings. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like when they drag it on and on. And the longer they drag it, the amount that I'm going to give keeps going down, you know. I started at 100. Now I'm down to, I'm down to 50. I think I was down to 10 bucks now. I mean, it's, it kept going down, you know. It's, you know, the longer he dragged down about the offering. And, um, and so he said, I want you to listen to the Lord. Do what the Lord tells you to do. So he said, bow your heads and pray. So I bowed my head, and I'm, I'm talking 10, I'm thinking 10 bucks here. I think I was at 50, actually, maybe not as low as that. I think I was 50 bucks. I'm thinking 50, I'm giving 50 bucks, that's it. So I'm saying, I'm thinking 50 bucks, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to give? I sat there a little while. All of a sudden, this number came, 500. This is years ago. I mean, $500 hurt back then, really hurt. I go, 500? What? Are you crazy? I, mean, I didn't say you are, are you crazy, but I'm going... <laughs> That's crazy. That must be the devil. I rebuke you, Satan. Get out of here. <clears throat> and I, said, I said to my wife, what do you want to give? And she was very unimpressed with the offering, too. And so I, I don't know. I finally just gave 50 bucks. And so I just forgot about it. And a week later, I was getting ready to preach. And I was sitting there. And all of a sudden, I said, Lord, I just want you to forgive me if I've done anything, Lord, that offends you. I just want you to forgive me now. And I said this, and I, I don't usually say this. I said, Lord, forgive me for the sins of commission and the sins of omission. And you know what, you know what omission means? It means I should have done something that I, I, I didn't do something that I should have done. And when I said, forgive me for the sins of omission, a week, I hadn't had one thought about that offering. And all of a sudden, this came flying back. I told you to give that 500 bucks. And I go, what? No way. 
thought that was just me. No, I told you to give that $500. And I go, nuts. So I thought, I started reasoning with my mind. Oh, come on, I don't even like those people. I mean, I mean, you saw how long that guy took with that offering. That aggravated the daylights out of me. He doesn't deserve I don't want to reward that, you know, misbehavior. You know how you think, you guys think that way? I'm not rewarding that misbehavior. That's telling that right now. But finally I go, I, if I keep reasoning this way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk myself out of it. So I just, I just wrote the check real quickly, ran out to the mailbox, put it in the mailbox, said, there, it's done. You know the crazy thing about that? Months later, somebody came up to me and gave me a check for $5,000. Now, let me tell you this right now. That doesn't happen every day to me. Maybe it happens to you, but it doesn't happen to me. And I looked at it, and I go, what the world? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I, try, I was trying to get this check to you, but I need you to be faithful and obey my voice. Obey me. And I thought, praise God. I wish I had been more of a willing vessel to do that. But God, what he's after is our obedience in every area of our lives, but also in this area. And I'm not here, like I said, we're not taking an offering now, and that's not the point of this message. But I just want you to have an incredible breakthrough in this area. I just want every one of you to have an incredible breakthrough. I don't mean that you win the lottery. You want to hear a funny story? You don't want, are you done, I'm done listening? <laughs> so this guy comes up, I don't, I don't play the lottery, and I don't, I don't play scratch tabs or whatever. I don't play any of that, okay? Um, the only time I ever gambled is one time I, I brought my family to, um, we flew into Las Vegas because we were going to go stay somewhere. It was the cheapest tickets. Long story. So it's going to be funny. So when you get off the plane in Las Vegas, they have one-armed bandits right there. So I went in my I put a quarter in, I pulled the thing, and all my kids go, you, you're gambling. They're all yelling at me. And, uh, and, and so I got, I, for months after that, I got verbally assaulted <laughs> because they told other people, and other people yelled at me. So I, it was a, I got spanked really seriously about that. But, but so this guy comes up to me one day in church, and he goes, you know, I've been playing, I don't remember what it was. I've been playing whatever, something, scratch tags or something. And he goes, I haven't been winning at all for months. And he goes, I finally got frustrated. I'm going, I wanted to say, what's wrong with you? you know? <laughs> but I didn't. I just stood there, looked stupid. you know. And, and uh, uh, he goes, uh, but I asked the Lord. I said to the Lord, Lord, if you let me win, I'll give the money to the church. He goes, I won 500 bucks that week. <laughs> what do you say to a person like that? I said, give me that check. The devil's had that money long enough. <laughs> I did tell him, probably isn't the way God wants to prosper you, but <clears throat> I don't think it is. But my point is simply that God wants, us, wants there to be a breakthrough in the area of finance. He doesn't want us to live under the, the bondage or the yoke of poverty, just barely getting by. Amen. He wants us to experience his abundance. Let's just close our eyes just for a minute and just say, Lord, I want to know you as El Shaddai. Amen. The God who is more than enough. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to show me 
where I'm missing it and what you want me to do when it comes to finances. You speak to my heart, Holy Spirit, and I will obey. Hallelujah. Just thank him right now for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. streams won't find Wherever it runs hearts come alive The river flow through me River flow through me You Try to stop you. We won't try to stop you. 
kingdom invade our hearts, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord, I pray for this congregation right now. I just thank you, God. I pray that this week, Lord, that they would have an encounter with El Shaddai. Lord, I just pray that something supernatural would take place in their lives, in the area of your provision, Lord. I just pray right now, God, I release every financial 
burden that's on them right now. And I just pray that there'd be a spiritual breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray, let El Shaddai show up in their lives. Let El Shaddai show up in their circumstances. I just pray that, God, right now in the name of Jesus, that something supernatural will happen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for sending your angels to be messengers, Lord, to work on our behalf. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for working on behalf of your people today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. How many receive that? Amen. Praise God. We have some prayer counselors here. If you guys would like prayer, anybody like like prayer for something, a specific need that you might have, please come forward as soon as I dismiss. We have some great refreshments back there. We want you to partake of, enjoy some good fellowship. And so, but if you do have a prayer request, a need, physical, whatever it is, just come on forward. Let these people pray for you. God bless you all. Have a prosperous week. Amen. God bless you. And I want you to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.